We are just so blessed. So let's look at Psalm 35. Father, we just thank you and praise you for family. Lord, again, we pray for all of the families this past week, not just in Las Vegas, but in this city. The families that had tragedies happen in their lives. Sudden losses. Whether they were babies or elderly, they were people made in your image. They were special. And so, Father, we just pray for our country that we would be one nation under you. Father, we pray for our state and our city here of Queen Creek and and for our community here on this little corner, Lord, that we would be under you, allowing you to rule and reign in our lives. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And as we open your word, your love letter, help us not to take it lightly, but to grasp just a little bit more about you that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been with us for a season here, going through the Psalms, and as we continue these various Psalms or songs, you know, we're going to start covering material that is repetitious in nature. And with that, we can become desensitized to the message that God desires to reach us with on any given day. And and I speak from personal experience about this. You know, it's easy to come on a Wednesday night because it's the thing to do. Or a men's Bible study because it's the thing to do. Or a pastor's conference or a leadership meeting or whatever it might be because it's the thing to do and not have an open heart with why you're even there. And if it's a Christian venue, we're there for Christ and we're there to learn something about Christ. So even as we go over these Psalms, you're going to go, you might be thinking to yourself, oh man, I've heard this before. And you start to tune out and you turn into the football game last night. Or the football game that's going to be this afternoon. Or whatever else might be happening in your life. You know, the work. Oh man, I got to deal with my supervisor tomorrow. Or the relationship that might be happening in your family that you're dreading this next week. I encourage you, take that to the throne of God right now. And allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to you and to me specifically, right here, right now. Now, it might not be anything. There might not be some big revelation or anything like that. But there might be. And when we close down, when we think, ah, just, yeah, I've heard this before, God may be knocking on our door. And he might just be saying, you know, you've heard this many times, but you're not applying what you've heard. And we don't like to hear that because we think we might have it all together when we really don't. The best thing to admit is we don't have it all together. I need more of Jesus. I need more of the Holy Spirit. You know, even as I study and as I teach, even on Sunday mornings, the Holy Spirit is ministering to me. I mean, a lot happens up here that you have no idea. But the Holy Spirit is actually ministering to me as I study. And you talk to anyone who's studied for a Bible study. The Holy Spirit will minister to you as you're studying and preparing. And as you're delivering, and afterwards the Holy Spirit will still be ministering to you. It's amazing what takes place when you're open to that. 
But when you're not open to it, you just kind of, yeah, you're okay, all right. That was, that was, that was cool. I really like that song. And, okay, what's for lunch? And you, you could really miss out on what the Holy Spirit is trying to do to you personally and to maybe corporately. You see, God desires to reach each and every one of us. He really does. You know, religion gives you that idea that, you know, God is some distant figure or force. May the force be with you if we can find it. You know, he's, he's somewhere out there. And the enemy tries to get us to, to think that we can't have a relationship with him. And you might even be here this morning as I prayed earlier. And you might think, well, I can't have a relationship with God. You don't know what I did. No, I don't, and I don't want to know what you did. But God does know what you did, and he still sent Jesus to die for you. You just have to accept that and stop shrugging it off. He really loves you. And so all of us need to be reached. We desire to be reached each and every day. And how does that take place? Primarily, primarily, and you hear this all the time, but I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you all read your Bible every single day this past week. We did. We did our devotions. We were on vacation. We did our devotions. We had our Christian music on our phones. We, we're we building that relationship even when we're on vacation. Through the Word of God. It's primarily through the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation. For you young people, this is the most important thing that I learned from a 26-year-old man who ministered to me, who was a very close friend to me at 17, He drilled it into my head. You've got to be in your Bible. You've got to be in your Bible. I mean, he drilled it into my head. He was a fanatic. He was a Jesus freak. And you know, after about three to six months, I was a Jesus freak. But that was okay. Because it spared me so much trials and tribulations. As I look back now, 40 years In January, it's going to be 40 years since I received Christ as my Savior. And it has spared me so much. Not perfect, a lot of issues, had a lot of problems, but it it has spared me so much. So through the Word of God, that's why we're here this morning. Not to hear jokes, not to hear funny stories, not to hear all about my vacation or your vacation, but to go back to the Word of God and say, well, how is God trying to reach me this morning? You see, David here is once again praying through the situation with King Saul. You see, he had been anointed the next king of Israel, and King Saul was trying everything in his power to stop that from happening because he wanted his own son, Jonathan, to have the throne. And so Saul was seeking to kill David. So Psalm 35, let's read verses 1 through 3. Plead my cause, O Lord, with those who strive with me. Fight against those who fight against me. I mean, could this sound like a supervisor situation? Could this sound like a fellow employee? Could this sound like a neighbor? Could this sound like a family member right now in your own life? Where maybe you are having a similar conversation with God, but David is articulating it here. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also draw out the spear And stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. So David is saying to God, God, you say to me, I, God, I am your salvation. 
You see, David once again comes to the Lord and asks God to fight the battle on his behalf. And I'm telling you, in our first two years of marriage, this is where we fell short. We wrestled against one another on a regular basis. Claudia was the problem. Every single time. It's amazing. And from her perspective, Jim was the problem. Every single time. That's just the way it is. And when we learn biblical principles and stop fighting against one another, as Ephesians tells us not to do, it's then we started to realize, yeah, we both are the problem. The problem is this way, vertical. And as we continually worked on the vertical, and even still do to this day, because you don't think you're going to learn something new about you, as you grow older, if you're in the Word every day, you're going to learn something new about you. Because you change. I'm 57. Things are changing. My body's changing. My brain's changing. Things are changing. My heart's changing. Not physically as well as spiritually. Things are changing. So if things are changing, then I should be changing as well. If I'm surrendering my life to Christ on a regular basis. And he's going to meet me. I obviously don't, don't now, you know, when I was 47, I wasn't thinking about 57. Or 37, 47. But, you know, just keep working it backwards. You, you're in your teens. You're not thinking about 57. You could care less. I'm a dinosaur. But you need to be thinking about 20, 22, 24, 26. Where am I going to be? And how am I going to get there? And am, am I going to be closer to the Lord? So you have to take those battles and give them to God. And that's where David was at in his life. You see, David, through a fleshly means, where I'm sorry, Saul was pursuing David through a fleshly means, whereas David was pursuing King Saul through the Holy Spirit. And guys, that is key for you and me. If you're having issues with your mates, you have to, you have to get in the Spirit. You have to get in the Bible. You have to pray. You need to be praying with your mate. Get your eyes off your mate. Get your eyes on God. Get your eyes on Jesus. And if you're both doing that, you know, it's that old triangle. If you're both doing that, you're obviously going to get closer to God and closer to each other. Those of you who are single, you need to get your eyes off of not being married and hang around other singles and pray with other singles and fellowship with other singles and get that community triangle going as well whether you're young or old, we need each other. You see, there are times when the Holy Spirit will give us strength to take on the enemy. David needed strength. And maybe right now in your life, you need strength. You know, even after being on vacation and, and you know, somebody said something on board and so we went back to the room and turned on the news and it was like, oh, God, give us strength. I don't know about you, but the mind can start doing a lot of things and thinking a lot of things and plotting a lot of things and this, that, and the other thing. At least mine. Maybe you're all pure and innocent, but not me. So I need to pray and I need to ask God for strength and pray for those people and keep getting the bigger picture that that's you know, isolated. Do you guys know that this year 500 people have been murdered in Chicago so far? Last year they had over 700. So when we have a major catastrophe, you know, all the eyes get turned to laws and debate and this, that, and the other thing. 
Every day it's happening, guys. Every day. It's about this. Desperately wicked heart. And we as Christians, we might not physically do that, but what do we think? Remember what Jesus said? If you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, it's as if you've committed murder. If you have a desire for someone else, whether it's male or female, if you have a sexual desire for them and you think about it and you roll it over in your mind and you play it out, you've committed fornication or you've committed adultery. What was Jesus doing? He was taking it back to the heart. Taking it back to the heart. So we can't just look at somebody and go, well, look at them. I would never do that. Really? You've never thought anything? Uh, well, uh, yeah, exactly. It goes back to the heart. And so you and me, we have to. We have to ask for more of the Holy Spirit. And then there are times when you need to run in behind and hide behind Jesus. There are times when we can literally take on the enemy, so to speak, the spiritual enemy. But as you read your Bible, you're going to also see there are times when you just need to run. Joseph is a great example. Potiphar's wife. He didn't, he didn't stand and fight. He did for many times as she continued to advance him. But he finally had to do what? He finally just had to flee. He just had to flee. So there's times to stand and fight and there's times to flee. And this is what David is expressing here. Lord, you be my strength. You be my defense. You be the one that's on offense. Verse four, through 8, let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I, I, Motorola, I've actually had this where people were out to get me. It's just the way it was. And if you're in the world, working in the world, you know what I'm talking about. It might not be really outwardly obvious, but a supervisor one time actually saw it and came and talked to me about it. They saw it was, they finally saw what was going on. They said, we'll take care of this. I just kept serving the Lord. I just said, Lord, you be my defense. I didn't run down to personnel. I just thought that's going to cause more problems. No, God, you take care of this. You take care of this. I'm just going to serve you. And I just kept working at doing what I was called to do. And God did. It took three years, but God took care of it. This is what, you know, David is just saying, let them be like chaff before the wind. Now, what is chaff? You know, in that day and age when, when they would take and they'd, they'd separate the wheat from the chaff. You know, as you eat popcorn and you get that, that, that seed in your teeth and it's going, you know, and you're trying to suck it out with everything you got, a toothpick or whatever it is, that's like chaff. And so they would be on, the, on a hill where there's a nice breeze. They would take a shovel. They would throw the wheat up. The chaff would be blown away. And then the wheat would drop down. And they would just keep doing that. And just keep doing that. And keep doing it until they had pure wheat. So David says, let them be like the chaff before the wind. And let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery. And let the angel of the Lord pursue them. For without cause, they have hidden their net from me in a pit which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly and let his net that he is hidden catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. See, David here was having to flee from King Saul. 
not because of sinful choices. You know, Paul talks about this in the New Testament. You know, if you're chastened because you do something wrong, don't whine about it. You did something wrong. But if you're disciplined for doing something good, rejoice. Because you were doing something good. You didn't do anything wrong. Well, David here is, he's in this position. So David prays that his enemies would be caught in the very traps that they laid for him. And again, in the New Testament, we know that Jesus said, pray for them. Pray for them. So again, as we read the Psalms, we want to remember they were three, most of them, many of them were written 3,000 years ago, before the New Testament, before many of the, much of the Old Testament. So David is expressing his heart. Should this be our heart as well? Eh, no. Lord, just take a sword and pierce them through. Nah, we don't want to kill them. We want them to know Jesus. Lord, give me strength and help them to lift their eyes to your throne room. Lord, give me strength to be a good witness even in the midst of this trial. Lord, help me to serve you. Because when I was going to Motorola, I wasn't serving Motorola. I was serving Jesus. Motorola just happened to be the business that cut the check. So wherever you are, whatever business you're in, whatever you're doing for your income, you have to get that idea of, I have to serve Jesus through this. Through the good times, the bad times, whatever it is, I just have to serve Jesus. And as you do that, that bitterness, that resentment, that hatred, whatever might well up, it's not going to well up. Because you're doing it for proper motives. Verses 9 and 10. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you? Now again, remember what David just prayed. And he's specifically praying this most likely about King Saul. Wipe him out. I'll be really happy if you wipe him out. Now none of us probably ever prayed that prayer. But again, we want to bring it up into the New Testament. And do what I just shared with you. Lord, don't wipe them out. Save them. Lord, make their lives miserable so that they look up to you. That's my prayer. Lord, make their lives miserable so that they look up to you. But get them saved. Lord, I'd love to see them in eternity with me. And my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you? Now, as you've gone through those experiences, as I have, and I'm sure you have as well, you're able to then look back and go, God, your timing was perfect. It it was not fun. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it at all. But I can now look back and say, your timing is perfect. Delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him. Yes, the poor and the needy from him who plunders him. Fierce witnesses rise up. They ask me things that I do not know. They reward me evil for good. Again, think about this even in your own life Is this if this is not applicable to you. Maybe not today, but at some point in your life. And if it hasn't been, because maybe you're young, take counsel with these verses here because this will happen to you sooner or later. With a family member, with a mate, with your children, with relatives, with, with co-workers, whatever it might be. It will happen sooner or later. That's just life. So if you're young and this hasn't happened to you yet, you can take great courage in this. When it does happen, you can go, oh, that's right. That's right. I remember reading that. That was that was going to happen, and here it is. Okay, I'm ready for it. They reward me evil for good. 
to the sour sorrow of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. Now here we see the New Testament principle. David here in these verses is going to show what he's going to do for those who are even pursuing him. That he is going to pray for them. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. I paced about as though he were my friend or a brother. King Saul, he wants to kill me. I'm his son-in-law. I didn't do anything wrong. And this guy is bringing thousands of people hunting me like a flea on a dog. And now we're seeing this New Testament principle that David is showing is taking place in his heart. He's praying for King Saul, not just out of bitterness or resentment, but in sincerity, in sincerity. I paced about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. You see, being chased by the king could definitely leave you feeling like you're all alone. But I'm sure there were those who were praying for David. I'm sure there were. And there are times when we may feel all alone. But again, there is someone out there probably praying for you as well. And I would encourage you during the week to be aware of this. You know, it's kind of interesting as you're driving along, the, the, a name of someone might come into your mind. And, and you know, it might be a name from 40 years ago. I've just learned this in my life. It's like, I have not thought about that name. I've totally forgot about that name. But Lord, you brought that name into my mind. So instead of just blowing it off, throw up a quick prayer right then and there. Whether you're driving or you're working or whatever it might be, just, you know, 10, 15 second prayer. Because there is spiritual warfare taking place. And I believe the Holy Spirit nudges us, allows us to have a glimpse of possibly something that's taking place, even though we don't know what it is. There is someone out there probably praying for you as well. And that can give us encouragement when we're going through our hard times. To know that the Holy Spirit is inspiring someone else that we probably don't even know or don't remember, I shouldn't say don't know, but don't remember that are actually praying for us. And we can take great encouragement in that as well. Because David goes on to say, but in my adversity they rejoiced. David observes what those who were hunting him were doing. They were glad. He doesn't have a comfort. Now think about David here, guys. Think about what David was going through. He had all the comforts of Jerusalem. He was the son-in-law to the king. And now he's out living under the stars. No tent, no mattress, nothing initially. Just the clothes on his back, living under the stars. And what are those, what are those who have put him there doing? They're rejoicing over that. Attackers gathered against me and I did not know it. They tore at me and did not cease. With ungodly mockers at feast, they gnashed at me with their teeth. You see, they were saying things about David. So David goes on to say, Lord, how long will you look on? Again, we've talked about this before. That's why I said, as we start going over these, there's going to be some repetitious stuff. 
But maybe a few months ago as we were going over it, it didn't mean anything to you. But right now, you're like, boy, yeah, that means something now. That's why you have to be in the word on a regular basis. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their destructions. My precious life from the lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. You see, David wasn't a part of the great assembly. And you'll remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the assembly that came to him, those that, those that were despised, that were in debt, that were disgruntled. That's not a great assembly to be a part of. No, this like this morning is a great assembly. Singing songs together in harmony, being unit, unified and praising God. That, this is a great assembly. And that's what David longed for again, was to be in that, that great assembly that he wasn't a part of any longer. He couldn't be a part of it. I will praise you among many people. Let them not rejoice over me who are wrongfully my enemies. You see, Saul had persuaded the people to fight against David. They weren't David's enemy, but Saul convinced them to become that. Nor let them wink with the eye who hate me without a cause. For they do not speak peace, but they devise deceitful matters against the quiet ones in the land. They also open their mouth wide against me and say, Aha! Aha! Our eyes have seen it. You know, and I find that interesting. And this is what I find interesting about that. Maybe later this afternoon, we'll be sitting around a TV with a bunch of people and we'll be watching a football game and something will happen. And somebody will go, oh yeah! Boy, did they miss that! That was a bad call! And then they'll slow it down to those frames. Click, 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 click. And all of a sudden, you sit down, totally embarrassed, because you were wrong. Real time, real speed, you thought, aha! But once it was slowed down, you went, oh. You see, that's what they're doing here. They're lying against David. They're thinking, real time, you're against Saul. You're trying to kill Saul. You're trying to take the kingdom away from Saul. And guys, it was estimated up to 10 years Saul was hunting David, and over those 10-year period, more and more people realized Saul's lying about David. Two times, two times, David could have killed Saul. He literally stood by him and could have literally killed him. But he didn't, because he trusted God. He trusted God. So people were observing that. The the officers, the soldiers, they were observing that. So over a period of time when David did become king, they all gathered, not they all, many of them gathered to him and then it was seven and a half years later that the whole country came to him. So when you're in the midst of something, just keep serving God. When people are going, "Uh aha, aha, yeah, aha, sure you're a Christian. Uh Aha, yeah, sure. Just keep serving. Serving Jesus. Keep loving people. Keep doing what the Bible calls you to do. And over a period of time, people around the uh-huh people are going to look at them and go, no, they're, they're not like that. Stop that. Stop saying that. That's not true. It really does take place. But just keep serving the Lord. This you have seen, O Lord, 
Do not keep silence. O Lord, do not be far from me. Stir up yourself and awake to my vindication, to my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, ah, so we would have it. Let them not say, we have swallowed him up. Rather, let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion, who rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor, who exalt themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. Again, there are those who are on your side. They're sitting here this morning. They'll be at the men's Bible study, the women's Bible study, the Wednesday night. They'll be at the home fellowship. They'll be at the marriage conferences and the marriage nights. This marriage, uh, marriage enrichment is this Saturday night. You got to get around people that are for you because there are people that are literally for you, for your marriage, for your parenting, for you as a single, as a young adult or an older saint. There are people there for you. And my tongue shall speak, or let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and your praise all the day long. Just, I've said it several times, just trust in the Lord and keep serving him. He will take care of every disadvantage in his good time. He really will. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. Lord, and and if we're honest, we can identify with David in various respects here. And Lord, as we've read all of your scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, we know that we have to pray. That we have to intercede on the behalf of those who speak out against us. On those who try to hurt us on those who try to manipulate us. And yes, Father, maybe we need to have some distance from these people. Maybe we need to have healthy boundaries with these people. But we still need to pray for them, even at a distance. We still need to love them, even if it's at a distance. So that our hearts, so that my heart, will not have bitterness or resentment or anger or frustration. And as that builds, it it comes out onto those who don't need it, don't want it, don't deserve it. So Father, help us to pray, to trust, to pray some more. You know, as the saints are praying, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus as your Savior. That that means that you've never asked Jesus into your heart. You might think you're good enough to go to heaven or you might think that you're just too bad for God to forgive you. Both cases, you're wrong. You'll never be good enough to go to heaven. And you definitely are not bad enough that God stopped loving you. He loves you. So if you would like to receive Jesus this morning, I would like you to come up after the service, after we sing this closing song. 
You got people around you right now that are praying for you, that love you, that are sincerely concerned about your eternity. What's so bad about that? They're concerned about your eternal state. I think that's pretty nice. Be humble and surrender to God. For no one knows the day or the hour. No one knew they they weren't going to leave that concert alive that night. God is reaching even out to you this morning. You don't know what this day holds. Don't gamble with God. Receive Him this very day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand. God bless you guys. Have a great week. And again, if you can come out and help, we'd really appreciate that. It'll be starting on Tuesday. Starting on Tuesday morning at 8.30. And just call down or just come down. There's eight and a half acres here. We'll find something for you to do. Thanks, guys. If you need prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you. could stop the Lord Almighty. I just love that. It's such an awesome proclamation. Who can stop him? Our Lord is on the throne, in control. Let's sing that out. Judah, it's wrong.